aren't you glad that in the world we live in today, that we have a tower, a shield? Aren't you glad? Isn't that awesome? Let's give God a hand. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. I'm just glad for some good news when there's so much bad news going around. Have you heard about, have you, have you heard about the dollar lately? I mean, it's just in bad shape, isn't it? But God is not in bad shape, and uh, we don't have to worry about that. We're in our second message of our series called Cantaloupes, and uh, we are, we're talking about God and our finances. Can't think of a better time to talk about it than the current situation we find ourselves in. Last weekend, we looked at the principle of trusting God with a divine portion of what He's given to us. And we said that the reason God wants us to trust Him with a portion is to teach us that He's our provider and to remind us that He's our sustainer. In fact, there's a very important passage of Scripture we looked at last week, found in the book of Proverbs. I'd like you to turn there with me. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 5, we read these words last week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to what? Wow. Sounds like you have some empty barns out there. All right. Then your barns will be filled to what? And your vats will brim over with new wine. We're not Baptists, so we can say that in here, right? And your vats will brim over with new wine. What a blessing. What a promise. And you see, God teaches throughout the scriptures to his followers that if we will trust and obey him, he will bless and encourage us. But the hardest place for us to trust God in is our finances. It's just hard for us to trust God with our things, with our cantaloupes. And that's because all of us, because of our parents, Adam and Eve in the garden, all of us struggle with something known as greed. How many of you admit to struggling with greed from time to time? Besides me, I'll admit it. All right? If you didn't raise your hand, then you need to admit something else, right? We all struggle with it. It's not our nature to want to give away. It's not our nature to want to trust God, who we can't necessarily see, with things that we can't see. It's really hard for us to do that. In fact, uh, I want us to think in terms of a farmer with a bunch of cantaloupes. And let's imagine that I'm the farmer and these are my cantaloupes. I've had a pretty good harvest, right? And uh, I went to church uh, a week ago and I heard this guy get up and talk about how important it is to, to bless God with a divine portion of everything that he's given to us. And so I've got my, my little divine portion here that I want to give to God. But I'm struggling because I'm a greedy individual. And I'm having a hard time letting go of this because this is my melon. And I worked hard to raise these melons. You know, I planted this. I watered it. I fertilized it. I cultivated it. I prayed over it. I picked it. And you know what? God owns the cantaloupe on a thousand hills. Why does it need my cantaloupes? Why do I have to go and give him my cantaloupes? In fact... I don't think God really wants my cantaloupes. I think the preacher is just making all that stuff up. This is my cantaloupe. I worked hard. You know what? I worked so hard, I think I'm going to enjoy my cantaloupe. This cantaloupe belongs to me. God has his own cantaloupes, and other people are going to give theirs. 
And I got to keep my cafe, Harrison's Cafe, full of fresh fruit for others, you know. So I think I'll sample my cantaloupe. But first, I got to get rid of these seeds. You know, put them right in there. Oh, got a few hanging on the bottom. Get those out. Oh, the fruit of my labor, man. I worked hard, sweated, picked, prayed. Wasn't sure we are going to have enough rain. Finally got enough rain. Then I thought it was going to be too dry. I mean, you know how it goes. And and here is my cantaloupe. Oh, oh. Mm. Wow. Put a little haagen in there. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Mm. Oh. Oh. Wow. That is good cantaloupe. Whew. Now, what was that all about? What did I just do? What did I do? I just ate whose divine portion? God's divine portion. I was going to give it to him, but I convinced myself that I could have it. So I ate God's divine portion. And who did we learn last weekend ate God's divine portion? Adam and Eve, right? Last week we learned that Adam and Eve ate God's divine portion as well. They made it theirs. Now, not only did I eat God's divine portion, but did you notice what I did? I took the seeds in that. What did I do? I discarded those seeds, didn't I? I just kind of threw them by the wayside and didn't think about them. Think about this for a minute. When you and I eat God's divine portion, when we don't want to give it up, not only do we take what belongs to God, but then we, we just basically end up throwing away the seeds of blessings that God would like to sow back into our lives. And we think we're doing fine, and the reality is we end up missing out on so much. But I know there's somebody out there, because I can read minds, who's thinking to himself, Pastor... I have a lot of cantaloupes, and I don't feel like I'm living under a curse. I got a nice house, I got a nice car, cars, I've got a bank account. Yeah, my stocks are taking a bit of a dip here, but by and large, I'm doing pretty good. And I got to tell you something, Pastor, I don't give. I mean, I throw a few bucks at God like, you know, you would at a waiter or a waitress, but I don't give the way you're talking about giving, and I don't feel like I'm living under a curse. In fact, I feel like I'm pretty blessed. So I think you're just like making this whole thing out to put a guilt trip on us to help meet the budget or something like that. Well, I don't disagree with you on the fact that you don't have to give to God and you can still be blessed. You don't have to give to God and you could have a lot of stuff and not necessarily feel a curse because of that. We've been having problems with our light system uh, and not feel a curse because of that. I mean, Jesus encountered people like that when he was here on earth. One of the famous encounters is found over in Matthew chapter 19. You might want to turn there for a minute. You ever heard of the rich young ruler? It says in verse 16, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So here is this guy who had it all, and he walked away with it all. But spiritually, he was bankrupt. And someday, he'll stand before Jesus again, won't he? And he'll give an account with what he did with everything that God gave him. And you and I will stand there as well. It's a fact of life. It's biblical. And we're going to give an account for all the cantaloupes that God has blessed us with. God's going to look at us and and God's going to say, did you give me my divine portion? Did you eat it? And did you you throw away the seeds that I would have sown back into your life? Tangible and intangible blessings if you had just honored me. Folks, I don't want to stand before God someday as a miser and have to answer for why I didn't trust him. Why I hoarded it here and kept it here and, and basically gave up on having any kind of reward, any kind of blessing for all eternity. And I have to look at my Lord's face and realize how greedy I was. I don't want to do that. And I know what happens. Some people hear a message like this and they, get, they just get kind of worried and they don't want to show up and have God kind of, you know, ticked off at them. And so, you know what they do? They just... Uh, they say, okay, okay, all right, I've heard enough. No more sermons, please. How long is this series going to last? All right, get over with it. I'm going to give God, you know, what, what he's asking for. And so, you know what they do is they, they just they take the, the divine portion. And they go, okay, God, here, you can have it. They, you know, they hand it to God. You can have it. Take it. You, you can have it. Really, I'm serious. Take that thing. Please take it from me, God. It's for you. All right? You can keep it. All right? And that's how, that's, that's how some of us give to God. I mean, seriously, right? Like, we do it because we feel so guilty about it. We have to do it. But it's hard to let go. Now, is that the kind of giver God wants? Absolutely not. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for just a minute. We'll look at the kind of attitude God would like us to have when we give to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And by the way, when the message is over, after we say... Have a great day. You're welcome to come up here and take whatever cantaloupes are left so they don't spoil. And they are very good cantaloupes. The one I ate was very good. All right. St. Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Let's read it aloud together. Each man. What kind of giver? Yeah. Cheerful giver. We ought to be cheerful when we give, Right. You know, sometimes when the offering plate goes by, people aren't very cheerful. They grab their wallets and grab their purses, right? You know, we get really kind of worried about it. You know, in other countries, they treat the offering time really different. I told you about this several years ago. There are some, there are some places in Africa, you know, when, when, they, when it comes time for the offering, it's the high point of the service. And the music starts and people literally dance down the aisle to put their offering in a bucket. Isn't that cool? It's a time of celebration. These are folks who don't have much that are like dancing and rejoicing and, and, and giving to God. So next weekend? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that should be the attitude of our hearts. That should be the attitude of our hearts. God wants us to be generous. And so uh, I want to take a few minutes with you today to talk about how to establish generosity in our hearts. First of all, why should we be generous? Turn over to John 3.16. I think you've heard of this verse before, but I, I really want you to see it and remind yourself of it that it is in the Bible. John 3.16, here's what it says. Say it for me, would you? For God. How many of you would agree that God has a generous heart? Boy, he does, doesn't he? He gave his son. And as a follower of Jesus, where does God's heart reside now? 
in me, right? And if I'm yielded and under the control of the Spirit of God, I should be like my Father. I should be what? Generous. I should be a giver too. So I face a choice every day. I can either be generous and honor God with my giving, or I can be stingy and selfish and say, I don't want to surrender to God, and I have this battle going on in my life. Are you that generous person like your father right now, or are you finding yourself being kind of stingy? I want to talk to everybody who's 30 years of age and, and under. I want to talk specifically to 16 to 22-year-olds. You are living in the wake. You know who you are. You are living in the wake of a lot of greed. A lot of greed that's gone before you corporately, in some cases in the family. And you know what? The temptation for you is just to, just to take up where they're leaving off. I want to challenge you to not live like this world. I want to challenge you to be radical followers of Jesus. To be on the fringe. To be on the edge. You know, in, in Jesus' day, the hypocrites were the religious people, weren't they? Right? Pharisees, Sadducees, that whole scene, right? Jesus and his followers were considered a fringe movement. Did you know that? Today, so many of the hypocrites are, quote, Christians. That's why I don't like to use the word Christian very often, because it's been so, you know, um, messed with by the culture and and. And as Christians who've been so hypocritical, it's, it's almost a bad name in the culture. I, I'd rather just be a follower of Jesus and be on the fringe. And I think we need a new fringe group. And I want to challenge, though, I want to challenge all of us, but I want to challenge this younger generation to not follow in the wake of greed. I want to challenge you to be radical like Jesus and, and to be generous like he was. But, you know, generosity is a discipline. Generosity isn't something you just wake up and do. You have to practice at it has to be a lifestyle choice. Look at 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Let me read it for you. 2 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech, in knowledge and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, Paul says, man, you guys are great at all these other areas, you Corinthians. But he says, see that you also, which tells me it was an issue, an area they were struggling with, because most of them were slaves, most of them were poor. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. Then over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. How many of you would agree that verse holds true today? Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in who? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I like that. They may take hold of the life that is truly life. And I'll tell you what, what's being pervaded, uh, uh, paraded in front of us by Hollywood and by the culture is not truly life, is it? Not life at all. It's, it's, it's fake. And we see it falling apart. Walking with God, honoring God, doing God's way, uh, doing God's work God's way, that is life. You can live in the economic system of the world and we see where that takes you. Or you can trust God and live in his economics. And that's what this series is all about. Trusting God. But God says you've got to give. And it has to, be, it has to be out of a generous spirit. How many of you ever bought a book on dieting? Let me see your hands. Dieting. How many of you ever bought a book on exercise? Let me see your hands. 
You know, you can book a di- uh, buy a book on dieting. Uh, you can buy a book on exercising. You can highlight it, outline it. I mean, you can wear that book out, read it every week. And you can become fully saturated with the knowledge of how to diet and how to exercise. But will it do you any good if that's where you stop? No. You've actually got to diet, right? You've actually got to exercise. How many of you have ever found that the first few days of a diet are the hardest? Let me see your hands. Man, they're miserable days, aren't they? All you can think about is what? Food, right? And how many of you notice that the first few days of exercising can leave you really sore, right? But, you know, if you push through it, if you push through with a diet, if you push through with exercise, soon you start losing weight and soon you start feeling better. Same thing is true with generosity. It doesn't come naturally to us. And I have to discipline myself and find ways to be generous with my time, my talents, and my resources and push through those moments when greed takes over and watch what God does. Now, I told you I was going to share a personal story of, of greed in my life, but I've decided to wait till next weekend. It'll fit better, okay? But I promise you I will next weekend. If you came just for that, shame on you. But anyway, uh, come, back, <laughs> come back next weekend and I'll share that, that greedy story with you, all right? So it has to be a discipline. How are you doing with the discipline? Thirdly, another principle of generosity. Generosity always brings blessings in accordance with how generous I have been. Proverbs 22.9, you read it for me. Good. And Proverbs 16.20, read that one. And what is he who trusts in the Lord? Blessed. And finally, one more passage here. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Go ahead. There's the proportion, isn't it? Paul's saying, if you give a little, you get back a little. If you give a lot, you get back a lot in intangibles and tangibles alike. See, I'm like at this place where I'm tired of hearing people, including my own little voice in my head, say, I want to experience more of God than just knowing what the Bible says in terms of, of, of a rules and regulation kind of faith. I want to experience the, the supernatural presence of God. And I'm telling you, giving is one of the ways you do that. God says, you trust me and watch what I'll do for you. Now, how many of you like to go to Starbucks? Let me see your Starbucks fans. All right. Maybe you do, okay? And there are different sized drinks at Starbucks, right? If you go in and you order an espresso, you're going to get it in a cup about this small, right? Sometimes even smaller, okay? Sometimes even smaller. And I don't drink coffee. I drink the children's drinks when I go to Starbucks, the steamers and stuff. But anyway, if if you go in and and you order an espresso, you can almost inhale an espresso, can't you? It's gone, right? But you pay a lot for that, you know, little experience. But yeah, this is what size? Avente size, right? And if you try to inhale a vente, you will drown, right? You'll drown because there's just too much there to pound down, right? Takes a while to get it down. There are some of us who only share with God an espresso gift. We only give him an espresso divine honor, right? We only honor him with an espresso size. And so we get back what? An espresso blessing. It's gone. However... If you give God a vente divine portion, all right, what is God going to do with you giving him that vente divine portion? He'll return to you a a vente-sized blessing, won't he? Now that you've got that in your mind, let me really mess you up. Turn over to 
Luke chapter 21. If you've been journaling with me, and I hope you have been, I want to, you've already read this. Luke chapter 21. I love this story. It says that Jesus is at the temple, and it says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting in their, putting their gifts into the temple treasury. So here come the rich folk, right? They got their, what appears to be a venti-sized cup, and they're like, Pouring the change out. Everybody, like if we were there, was looking and going, ooh, ah, let me hear you say it. Very impressed, right? Now look what Jesus says. He says, he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. So hers is like an espresso thing, and it just goes clink, clink. And it's almost embarrassing. If we were watching, we all go, ooh, not very much. But I love what Jesus does here. He says, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. In other words, these rich folks, they were really only giving an espresso gift, weren't they? Because it wasn't nearly representative of all they had. There's no sacrifice for them. And so it's really a small deal to God. Here comes this woman who you and I would look at and say two, you know, two tiny little coins. But she gives out of her poverty. It is a sacrifice. It feels a bit of a pinch. But she loves God and she's obedient. And she puts it in and God says, that was a vente gift. And that deserves a vente blessing. See what I'm trying to say? So my question is, what size blessing, or what size gift are you and I giving to God? Are we giving him that which is truly proportional, that which is truly sacrificial? We will receive a blessing in return if we do. Now, I want to look at one more principle of generosity. And that is that generosity needs to be here and now. Generosity isn't something that we should do then and there later on. I run into people who've told me, when I win the lottery, really have. When I win the lottery, I'm going to give big. And I have yet to meet someone who's won the lottery and given big. Now, I'd be happy to, but I haven't met them yet, right? Or I hear people say, I'm in the middle of a deal, man. And when that deal, when I can get that deal swung, then I'm going to give X amount to, to, to God. And I guess the deals never come through because I never see the checks come through. I never hear about them honoring God with that. The time to be generous is here and now. Because we're only here for a short time. And I and you, we need to invest into the, what God is doing. You know, about 80% of churches in our country right now are plateaued and declined and are struggling. Struggling financially. Why? Well, partly I think it's because they're not clear on why they exist. And so there's no sense in people's minds or hearts that there's anything to give to. They'd rather give to anything else but, but to just maintaining. I want to remind you why we exist. Our mission statement. Why are we on this corner? It simply goes like this. I, hate, I think it goes like this. Are you guys going to put it up for me? Anybody home? All right. It says, our mission statement, we exist to compel people. Finish it with me. To radically embrace the primal call of Jesus stated in Matthew 4, 19, come follow me. Now, I love what that says because that's why we're here. We're here to get people to radically embrace because I don't see very many radicals in the church anymore. 
We're a pretty boring group in America. I'm telling you, we're just ho-hum, boring. We're not much different than the world. We want to radically embrace Jesus. We want to radically embrace his primal call. The primary thing he said to his disciples was what? Come, follow me in all the ways of your life. Follow me. That's why we exist in this corner, to compel each other to do this and compel the people around us to do it as well. Now, I want to remind us of what our vision is. Say, well, what's mission and vision? Mission is why we exist. A vision is is a, a preferred picture of the future that creates a passion in our hearts. It's looking at the mission and saying, what could we look like in a chunk of time? And, and here's what we believe we could look like in a chunk of time. We want to be an epicenter of 3,000 people whose lives are being continuously, because we're never fully matured, continuously transformed to bring the hope of the gospel regionally and globally. So we're growing deep, but we're also growing wide, and we're reaching out to the people who are all around us. And that's why this upcoming series, One Month to Live, can be so huge for us impacting our, our, the, where we work, where we go to school, where we live, our families. We want to fill this place up and help people discover the hope that's found in Christ. But that's what we want to be about. Now, it's one thing to put statements on the wall. It's another thing to say, are we making any difference? And I just want to give you kind of an accounting because you're, in a sense, the investors into the work of God here. How are we doing in some of these areas? Let me just share with you a couple of things to encourage you. First of all, we decided with our new vision that we wanted to reach out globally and we wanted to connect with people who didn't have missionaries, nationals who were there kind of struggling on their own. And we've chosen a couple of places to start that throughout the world. One is in Indonesia. We, have, we are now supporting, you are supporting, six uh, couples who live in Indonesia, nationals, who are ministering to primarily Muslim people, a difficult ministry, and they're seeking to make headway. In Papua New Guinea, we're supporting 45 pastors. We are the sole church supporting them. And we have built, you have built, with your investment, 11 churches. And we are reaching a largely forgotten segment on that forgotten tiny little island nobody else would be thinking about. And God is saving people and young people through those ministries, and you're directly investing into that. Let's talk about what, what's going on here at home. Because, you see, we want to we see our, our people reached. And, and right now, there's a 70% dropout rate in 16 to 22-year-olds going to church. They're dropping out and not coming back. We, you see, the American church doesn't realize the crisis it's in right now. We have over 4,000 churches close the doors every year, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse if we don't do something about this. So we've invested an awful lot in our children and, and our youth ministry. Every weekend here, we have 520 kids from nursery on up. Isn't that awesome? Children. We have 400. As an average, last year we had 400 on Wednesday nights for our WANA program being taught the Word of God. Our youth ministry is growing, 80 to 100 kids. And in fact, next weekend, we're hosting a youth conference called Planet Wisdom. There'll be about 12 or 1,300 kids and adults in this place. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, give it up. And God is doing some neat things there. We're excited about it. In leadership, we're training leaders. About 35 folks right now in classes on leadership here in, in our church. I am mentoring about 20 pastors, both regionally and nationally, and helping them with their churches and ministries. So we've decided to make an impact beyond our own walls. 
spiritually growing people. We've introduced journaling. We're going to get on that bandwagon again the first of this year, coming up in January. We want to see you all journaling, feeding yourself in the Word of God. We are bringing in special guests, like you're going to hear from Oxford. And you're going to have an opportunity to grow deeper in the knowledge and understanding of Scripture and faith issues relevant in our culture. We're looking to hire a brand new uh, uh, leader, a, a pastor on staff for small groups and adult ministries. We're talking to somebody right now. We want to really ramp up our small group ministries. We are also excited about the fact that um, we have opportunities like one month to live to see people grow and, and move in their spiritual walk. We're going to start a brand new marriage ministry in January. It's going to be high impact. It's going to be for premarital, those who are thinking about getting married, for healthy marriages and marriages in crisis. We're excited about what God is going to do through that. I also want to let you know that we are looking to purchase land next to us. We're still negotiating, working through that right now. We're looking at drawings for the next building so we can house the children's ministry and allow it to expand and grow. We're talking to somebody right now about the performing arts ministry, which we've been talking about for years. And we're excited about the possibility and this impact that may uh, come to pass that I'll tell you about as we become more sure of things in the days ahead. Rather than multi-siding, we said, let's make something happen here on Saturday night first. And we're running over 200 on Saturday nights. Next Saturday night is texting night. So if you've always wanted to ask me a question, if you're into techie stuff, show up next Saturday, okay? We grew by over 120 last year. Hearts and lives are being transformed and are being changed. Despite the bumps and bruises we've had along the way the last couple of years, God is at work. And I want you to know the investments you are making are changing lives. Look around you. But I also want you to look around. Let's give God a hand. But I also, I also want you to look around. And and I want to say to you, at 11 o'clock, there are way too many empty purple seats in this place. And it really bothers me. Those belong to people who aren't here yet. And I know, you don't, you know, now in a series like this, you don't exactly want to invite guests, right? I understand, okay? Although I met two ladies this morning who said they came back because of the message last weekend. It was their first time here. And I thought, that was cool. But you know what? Coming up with one month to live, these places, we need to have standing room only. And I'm praying for that day. And that means that you and I have to think outside of ourselves and not just invest and throw money at stuff, but we gotta, we've got to invest our hearts and lives in relationships with other people. Amen? And you're my radical group at 11. All right? And I expect you to do that. I expect that we'll make a difference in the kingdom of God because we're only on this earth for a short while. And then he calls us home. And I want to leave a legacy here. I want this church to go on until Jesus returns. I want it to be involved in dynamic ministry, don't you? All right, so if you haven't taken, if you have not taken an opportunity to grow one step in your giving, I want you to take this card out right now, would you please? Many of you did this last weekend. Thank you. I prayed over you. And hopefully today you took some of those steps. But if you weren't here last weekend or needed time to think about it, take this out. It's the last time I do it with you. And you'll notice that we've broken down how many people give in certain increments each week. Would you spot yourself with your eyeball where you think you might be? Would you be willing to take a step up or several steps up so that it truly represents the kind of gift that we were, and we need giving to pay for our lights? They're, they're shutting them down on us. They're threatening us. Now listen carefully. Would you be willing to take several steps up to make that sacrifice? Would you do that? If you are, would you just fill out the other side, your name and address, the information that's asked for. Why do I want you to do that? Because I want to write you some letters of encouragement. And as you, as you experience God blessing you back, please email and tell me. It's the biggest joy I have. 
let me, let me know about the miracle that God is doing in your life. Tangibly and intangibly. I'd appreciate that. So I'm going to be quiet for 30 seconds. Fill it out quickly. Then I'll ask all of us to turn all of our cards in to the middle. For those of you who are filling it out, we're going to do holy terror in a second. The rest of you, I want to recycle these cards, so we're going to be green, okay? So uh, hang on a second. Our light boards crashed this today. That's what's going on. All right. On a count of three, if you need yours, one, two, three. Beautiful sound. Pass them into the middle, please. Pass them into the middle. Practical way to follow through. Our usher's going to come down and grab those. You decided you want to host a group, please come down. Pastor Rick will be there and grab a card from you. If you're here for the first time, I don't want you to think we talk about money all the time, just most of the time. Just kidding. All right, just kidding. Just remind ourselves. From time to time that we need to be faithful to God. Let's all stand together. Pass those cards in. Our officers will collect them. Hey, thanks for loving God. And thanks for being one of the most generous churches I know. And I'm very sincere when I say that. You all are so faithful to God and so generous. And I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Thanks for partnering with me. Father, as we go from this place today, thank you for this group of men and women as they have come before you, these young adults, to be faithful to you. Now, Lord, I ask that you bless them in proportion to what they trust you with. Real, tangible, intangible blessings. Please do that, Lord, I pray. Thank you that we can give you these gifts today. Thank you for those who are going to come forward as our hosts. Excited about working with them, Lord, what a joy. And I pray for one month to live that it will be unlike anything we've done here. I pray for many, many, many changed hearts. In Jesus' name. And all the people said...